My name is William Corliss and this is the Workplace Podcast. Brought to you in association with Yellowwood, providers of executive coaching, corporate training and facilitation. Your external learning and development partner. Each week we focus on a different aspect of the workplace. We hear from guest speakers who will be subject matter experts, who I believe are incredibly talented at what they do. These experts will give you a different perspective and insight to work life, with the aim of empowering you to take a different path to success in all aspects of work life. These perspectives will include career and personal success, leadership, high performance teams, and creating a better work life culture in your organization. Yellowwood, take a different path to success with your career, team, and organization. Welcome to the Workplace Podcast. Our guest this week is Dr. Anne Torres. She is a lecturer in marketing at the J.E. Cairns School of Business and Economics and also the Vice Dean of Internationalization for the College of Business, Public Policy and Law at the National University of Ireland, Goway. Her research interests lie in the convergence of strategy, entrepreneurship and marketing practices. In this context, she's curious about the confluence between e-marketing and marketing communications, as well as between organization strategy and innovative marketing practices. Her interest in negotiation theory and practice adds an additional dimension to these topics. In the past few years, she has been studying negotiations at Harvard Negotiation Institute and Pepperdine University. With respect to her publications, she is recognized as an accomplished case writer, earning a number of awards for her work. Dr. Torres obtained an MBA from the University of California, Berkeley, and her PhD from Trinity College, Dublin. Anne, very welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Willie. Um, I'm really delighted to be here. Thank you. Great. Um, Anne, I have wonderful memories uh, of you. You were actually one of my first champions to give me... um, a place to be a mentor on the MBA program in NUI Galway. Uh, we also uh, got to meet while we were both in Harvard to have dinner together. And um, I was lucky enough to uh, study negotiations under you and also co-facilitate, which was great. And I have to say, um, I'm every time I'm with you, I, I, uh, I pick up something new. So hopefully our listeners here will We'll pick up a couple of things on our this week's topic, which is negotiations. Excellent. Well, yeah, thank you for that lovely uh, introduction. And sure, uh, I think you know everyone negotiates every day, so maybe we can offer a little bit of um, advice in terms of tweaking your negotiations and improving how you approach your daily negotiations. So, where would people use negotiations in their everyday work life? Oh. Well, if you have kids, if you have children, you negotiate with them all the time. You negotiate with your partner. You negotiate with uh, your colleagues at work. Um, If you're in any kind of committee for hobbies or charities, you're negotiating with them. So pretty much every aspect of your life involves some form of negotiations. So, okay, buying a house is a big negotiation. It's not something you're going to do every day, but maybe negotiating what you're going to have for dinner or who's going to cook or who's going to do the dishes. Those are kind of daily negotiations we could all uh, improve. And uh, 
if I were to give any advice to people about negotiations, uh, it would be this, that it's a skill so you can improve and it's about communication and the two easiest concessions you can make in any negotiation would be listening and respect. So you want to listen twice as hard um, and speak half as often. And chances are you're going to be more successful in your negotiations in terms of the outcomes you achieve. And it's funny that you mention uh, house negotiations because when I was buying my house, I was on the phone to you uh, getting advice. Uh, <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I, I hope I gave you the advice that if you're buying a house, the thing is to fall in love with not just one house, but two or three. And then that way you never feel too bound to the ideal house um, because you're going to spend more just to get that ideal because you're emotionally attached. I know that's hard to do. It's easier said than done, but falling in love with more than one house or more than one car is helpful. Yeah, and you give me you give me lots of uh, advice there. So, you know, we've kind of fallen into this piece of the the pitfalls, if you want to call it that, or mistakes people make in negotiations. What are the kind of the typical mistakes people make in negotiations? Um, I think the first thing is preparation. You know, any kind of preparation that you can afford to do before you enter a negotiation is going to be to your advantage. So even five minutes is better than no minutes. But the more time that you have to prepare and that you can think through your negotiation, that's helpful. And in a business context, important it is you can have a strategy meeting uh, and prepare and you can invite more people than you would think to that negotiation meeting. I mean, you might want to do it on your own first and then draw on people to ask their perceptions and their perspective on what's happening and what would be their top tips. And I think that's always helpful. And do you have to be a subject matter expert on, you know, the topic at hand or can you be a good negotiator just by having good negotiation skills? I think that depends on the context. I, I So, if you are not so expert in the area, let's say if it's, we'll go back to buying a house or buying a car, your little bit of research is going to go a long way. And maybe the idea is to avail of your network. So if you know any real estate agents or any developers or people who buy a lot of houses, there are some people who move or buy cars every few years, uh, talk to them and what would be their advice. So tap into your network to do your research. And I think that's helpful. And sometimes being a novice uh, in an area allows you to ask those very basic, crucially important questions that you might not ask if you think you're an expert. So try to be humble, uh, ask for the best advice, and, and you know you can see what fits your situation or not. So tapping to your network is a good idea. And, and you were talking about being humble then. Do you think emotions can get in the way then in strategy or your negotiation strategy? Because you were talking about don't fall in love with just one house, try to fall in love with several houses. Tell me a little yeah. bit more. I don't know that you can separate emotions 
from any negotiation. We're, we're human, we're not robots. And sometimes I would see emotion as a sign of engagement and passion. At the same time, you don't want the emotions to be so high that you lose um, the rationale and the logic. So you wanna keep the positive aspects of emotion, uh, your enthusiasm and your interest, that's great. If you're really getting annoyed uh, and upset, maybe it's a good time to take a break and just say, you know, I just think I need uh, five minutes to break. Should we have a coffee break or uh, take a few moments to let me look up uh, some information here so that we can progress. Because anger and acting solely out of emotion tends not to work well, but you can name it. You can name it to tame it in the sense that you can say, look, I'm, I'm getting a little bit anxious here. I'm getting a little bit concerned. Can, can we just take a break? Or we can say, look, the mood in the room seems to have changed. It might be no harm to have a coffee break and just kind of can put a pin in the atmosphere and allow things to de-escalate and people come back. Um, and whether it's five minutes or one day or two days, then you can start afresh, take a deep breath and maybe put things on a more even setting. And, and you were talking about communication then. And, and often when I, I myself teach negotiations, then, you know, we talk about body language because sometimes it's not what they, they're saying, it's what they're not saying. You know, what are the kind of things you would, you know, the, the cues either the, the facial expressions or body language cues that people might um, get across in terms of those moments where they're feeling a bit impatient? Yeah, body language is tricky. You know, some people say it's really important and others say it's not as important as we might think. So I would say you want people to be comfortable in the negotiations. You're more likely to get a better outcome. Um, some people might disagree. You want to put them under pressure. It depends on the context, I'm sure. But I would say you want people to be comfortable. Emotion, or sorry, I should say physical cues that you might draw on, they could be culturally specific. So it could be different from one country to the next in terms of the use of space. Um, you know, some countries smile a lot, uh, Americans smile a lot. Whereas if you're Eastern European or Russian, smiling is a sign of being an idiot. So you can't really rely on those physical cues as much as you'd like. And they're idiosyncratic to an individual. So some people are just slightly nervous and uh, anxious and other people are super calm and laid back and you think that they're disinterested, but that's just their tempo. So I would be careful about that, but you want to make sure people are comfortable. You're more likely to uh, find a better discussion and, and secure a better outcome. And, you know, sometimes like emotions get in the way there. What, what if somebody refuses to negotiate? You know, what what happens in situations? Because yeah, yeah. you think about the workplace or you think about yeah. Donald Trump, you know, you're, you, you're thinking about all these different situations. So what, what happens if somebody does refuse to negotiate? Yeah, that's a tough one. And I don't think it happens as often, but um, you can, first of all, you want to know what's your walkaway point. 
So your walk point waypoint in, in the lingo is your BATNA, your best alternative to a negotiated outcome. So you're going to think about that ahead of time. So you're going to say, if I'm negotiating with you, and let's say you're being unreasonable and you don't want to negotiate with me, I already know that if I walk away from this table and I can't achieve an outcome with you, I know what my next best alternative is. So that's helpful. Uh, and if someone is refusing to negotiate, there's something behind that. It's the why that you might want to understand. So you can say, okay, well, help me to understand your concerns or your difficulties, because it's rare that we negotiate with someone just once. I mean, it does happen, but we often negotiate with people uh, on several uh, occasions or, or persistently. So it could be that some people I know that don't want to negotiate, they feel that changing their mind is a betrayal of self. Okay. You know, they've made their decision, this is it, we're committed to a direction, and changing their mind is, is too difficult for them. So you might want to, for that kind of individual, if you know that's who they are, and you're trying to negotiate with them, you might want to say, hey, look, here's the information that I have, and I'd like you to think about it. Don't give me an answer now. Just sit with it for a while, and maybe we can come back and discuss it, and I can identify your most likely objections or concerns and then see if we can kind of come to a decision about that. It, if they if they refuse to negotiate, there's some kind of deal breaker. So what is what is it about? What's happening there? There may be has nothing to do with you. It could be the the conditions or environment in which they're operating. You know, what are help me to understand your constraints as to why this might not be possible. And in end up, in understanding the why, you might uncover a way or an opening where there might be some form of negotiation, even on a limited basis. And okay, worst comes to to you, the worst scenario is that, okay, we can't negotiate. There's there's nothing here in which we can afford some exchange. At least you understand that person and their situation a bit better. So it happens, you know, I wouldn't be afraid of it. I think you just want to understand the, the why behind the what, you know. Okay. What's and there? do you think, you, do you think people are sometimes, is it fear, you know, they, they, you know, especially if it's in the workplace, people might not want to change their mind because they, you know, they want to save face or maybe ego is getting in the way. What, what are your thoughts on that? You know, in terms of that, it could be, is it fear? Is it ego? Is it trying to save face? What, what do you think? Yeah, it could be any and all of those things. So negotiations and maybe this is a good place to uh, address one of the myths so there's this perception that in negotiation you have to be a tough guy that you really have to get that last penny and squeeze the most out of the person where really you're just trying to make things better better off for both of you and if you can allow them a little space to save face or to address their concerns and um ally their fears, you're in a better place. And change is hard for most people. There's a few among us who are totally risk-seeking <laughs> and, and change embracing, but that's not the norm. So you want to, again, get behind the why, um, help me to understand the why. And there may be things that you can do to address those. Yeah, so apathy is, is kind of 
deep set among us, is, isn't it? You know, that we, we don't like to, our inertia, we don't like to change too much. Yeah. Sorry, inertia is really the word I'm looking for, isn't it? Yeah, inertia. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and, and but you mentioned something good about ap- apathy. You know, if people don't want to engage you at all for whatever reason, that is really hard to deal with. You yeah. know, that's um, where they absent themselves to the process. You can't just access them. There's, there then there's real no really no opportunity to negotiate if if they're just not present. And you were talking about you know the myths of negotiation. So there's different types of negotiations that our our listeners mightn't be aware of. Uh, what are those different types of negotiations? I, I mean, do you mean in terms of um, well, I mean. You know, some people use classifications for negotiations, and I don't know that that's really helpful because then you're providing a, a formula that doesn't always fit. Yeah. So I I would prefer to think of negotiations in terms of the myth. One, we've already mentioned a few that it's a skill, so you can learn it. It's not born. Two, it's about communication. Three, it's really about listening. Uh, four, it's not um, about screwing the other person over, so to speak. It's really about making you both better off. And um, five, it's really about relationship building in the short, medium, and longer term. So as I mentioned, it's rare that you're going to negotiate with someone just once. And I suppose the sixth and seventh point would be, and they're interlinked, is that your reputation is quite um, closely linked to how your negotiating style. So people want to negotiate with someone who's reasonable, mm-hmm. who's reasonably fair, who's reasonably transparent. Okay. You're not going to tell them everything all the time, but the end, but that doesn't mean, and that's the seventh point, you're going to lie. So lying in a negotiation is really not helpful at all because eventually they're going to find out. And then that just ruins your reputation and scuppers any future negotiations with an individual. So those would be the things that I would really kind of uh, prefer to to focus on. Otherwise, people fall into a a formula that may not always be helpful. And I think having a a broader framework for negotiations is more, I guess, utilitarian, is more more helpful in the long run. Yeah. And what you were talking about lying there, you know, what are the kind of type of tactics that people then use in in, in the workplace you know, <laughs> people, can, people can be underhand you know you you hear of examples where people leave you waiting in the room they turn up the heat in the room and you've no order and they're trying to put you under pressure you know and all these different type of tactics are there are there tactics yeah. that people should look out for if people are uh, a bit underhand i mean you know if you're feeling uncomfortable in the negotiations you're more likely to walk away so in terms of tactics that uh, people might use to make their negotiating partner feel uncomfortable, I don't really see the advantage of that in the long run because it's just really building a relationship on very poor foundation. And uh, I'd be more likely to say, do I really need to negotiate with this person? Is this the kind of person with whom I want to partner or build a relationship? And uh, I would I would seriously think twice about it. Okay, you might have to, maybe they're the only supplier. But once you have another choice, you're probably gonna go elsewhere, even if they're a little bit more expensive because you like dealing with them better. They're fair or um, they have maybe slightly better quality or whatever it might be. So people are going to switch. So I think those tactics work maybe in the short term, 
but they certainly don't win you favor in terms of the people with whom you're negotiating. And I, I, you know, we were talking about lying, people bluff and people say that's okay. Um, but this is real life. What, why is bluffing? It's not a card game. <laughs> why is bluffing good? And second, uh, you know, lying through a mission, especially something that's very important, can be also a questionable line. Um, knowing something that you should probably reveal but don't. Um, again, you're messing with your reputation, and a reputation is an incredibly invaluable asset. And people say, well, how, you know, I can bluff or I can, you know, not mention this point with this individual. Nobody else is going to know. But in the age of social media, no, it's very easy to check up on somebody. And if you get a bad review, just like from your Uber driver, you know, people aren't just aren't going to want to do business with you unless they have to. But once they have another choice, they're going to move. And and you you were talking there earlier on about preparation, you know, and and it's it's a great point that you're making is it's not always about price. So yeah, yeah so is it you know what are the type of variables then? We say for example, I'm in the workplace. You know, what are the what are the variables then that could you know I could negotiate around my my workplace contract, for example? Yeah. So let's say that's kind of interesting. Uh, so. In the current environment, you know, it may be very hard for employers to give you more money in terms of salary, but they might be able to give you other sources of value. So they might be able to help you invest in your training. Or let's say if you want to pursue some education, further education or further training, they might give you time off to do that. Uh, they might also uh, allow you to have more flex flex time, you know, so you so not necessarily nine to five, but that you can put in an eight hour day, but you can decide the timing. More remote working that we're all experiencing that was seemingly impossible now seems incredibly uh, tenable. So providing you with the equipment so that you can work productively at home. It could really be things like... Uh, Let's say they can't give you more money and they really don't have the funds to invest in your, your training because that might set a precedent for other people. But they can help, help you uh, identify interesting projects in which you could participate so you can progress and demonstrate and show how you, how your skill and um, your possibilities. So I would consider value so different sources of value other than money, what might be useful to you, right? And, and there's lots of things that maybe that you would find valuable and important, and it's easy for the employer to give you and is incredibly valuable to you, or vice versa. You could say, look, I'm, I'm willing to you know, work majorly over time on this project or for this period of time, and that at a later date, I might just you know, claim that time in lieu or so, so differences, you know, people often see differences as a, an obstacle, but differences can be opportunity to trade. So I can give you something that's incredibly valuable to you, um, but doesn't cost you very much. Um, doesn't cost me very much to give you. So in that respect, you know, think about that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's a really good point that you're making is, is those value, that value piece 
it's about negotiations about creativity, isn't it? So this is where you're saying maybe stepping out, you know, to, to take a break, you know, gives you that time to think because when we're under stress, we're not going to be creative. So there's, there's really something to that creativity and keeping your emotions in check, isn't there? Yeah, a lot of people would see negotiations as a way to create value, to expand the pie, and also as an opportunity to problem solve. So if you're problem solving, you want to make sure that you're on the same side of the table and that the problem is in front of you. So your collaborators, your partners mm. in solving a particular issue rather than adversaries. So it okay. doesn't have to be uh, an adversarial situation. It, it can be a partnership, a collaboration. And indeed, the best negotiations are about cooperation and collaboration. That doesn't mean you're an easy touch or that doesn't mean you're nice just to be nice. It just means that you're willing to work together to to understand each other's perspectives to solve the problem at hand. And I think that's really good advice for our listeners here. So it's really to focus on the problem and not the person, which, you know, makes negotiations so much easier, uh, doesn't it? It does. And you you can often see this in uh, labor negotiations that, you know, management and the union representatives are really advocating very fiercely for their side or their their constituency. But then once the negotiation is over, they're very friendly and amenable. And, you know, we're not enemies. We're working for the same company. I mean, I was a shop steward for many years. And that doesn't mean just because you're advocating for a particular perspective or constituency and you're doing that to the best of your ability, that you have to be enemies with, with your counterpart. That's not... That's not ideal. You're in one one organization, so to speak. Yeah. And you've studied now negotiations. And you no, know, we haven't even said it at the start in terms of your credentials in so many different places. Um, and what what are your 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 biggest learnings then from all the different courses that you you've taken and yeah. all your years as maybe shop steward and personal experience? What are your kind of greatest learnings? Oh, that I suppose is that you never know at all. <laughs> and, and, you know, studying negotiations is easier than actually doing it, like most things in life, right? That yeah. sometimes you're in a situation, even if you are a skilled negotiator, you get into a scenario where it's just really difficult. I suppose, uh, I think that the things that were, really important for me to become aware of besides the fact that preparation is key and that you can prepare and it can be a skill that you can develop is that you can take time to understand the process. So you can discuss the process before you start negotiations, almost like setting an agenda. And indeed you can say, um, you know, I have an agenda of what I believe are important issues and how we might approach this. What do you think? And sometimes agreeing on an agenda is a great foundation for building the discussion because you understand who has to approve what, what might be the timings. Um, You get a sense for priorities of issues and how they may be similar or different. Uh, I think also for me, negotiation is a learning mindset. It's, it's about, it's a learning conversation. So the more I understand about you, 
the better able I am to identify ways in which we could collaborate or uncover sources of value or identify creative solutions. And, and we've mentioned this before, the why is more important than the what. So how we would phrase this is positions versus interests. So you might go to an employer and say, I want this salary, I want this pay grade, I want this kind of expense package to accompany uh, that salary. But what's important for the employer to know is why. And the why might be, uh, I'm buying a new house, I'm looking to pursue an MBA or further training. Or So understanding the why can be, okay, I, I, can, I can see you want to improve. I really can't give you more salary. However, I may contribute to your training um, and your education. So the why is, um, is important. And I think um, another thing is, is to, oh, I would say, you know, a lot of people are afraid to make the first offer. Okay. If you're well prepared, you don't necessarily have to be afraid. You can anchor that, you know, often anchoring in your favor can be helpful. Yeah. And as long as you're not doing something wild and that's completely unreasonable, it's a good starting point. So I wouldn't say if you're prepared, don't be afraid to make the first offer. And, and I would also say ultimatums are not useful typically yeah. well, um, apart, unless you're Donald Trump <laughs> ultimately just make people feel pushed into a corner nobody likes to be told what to do yeah um, and, and if you do like an ultimatum in any context you have to be equally happy with the outcome so why phrase it as an ultimatum why don't you say hey look I'm happy I'm happy with either outcome what works for you <laughs> um, and I would say that if someone offers you an ultimatum, maybe you can just kind of ignore it. You can say, well, I can see this point is really important for you. Um, ultimatums just tend to escalate a situation rather than de-escalate a situation. And I would say that if, if you find someone who's being unreasonable, this is often my, my uh, trope, my, my, uh, pressure point where I think, why are they just being so unreasonable? Gosh, you're crazy. They're ridiculous. That's probably a good sign that you need to listen harder. There's something you're not really getting about their situation, their constraints, their concerns. And that's probably a time where you pause and listen more, maybe ask questions to pursue that learning conversation. And, and you mentioned anchor there before, so I'm aware of what an anchor is, but could you explain a little bit more what, what an anchor is in a negotiation? So you mentioned that in relation to the first offer. What What is an anchor? Yeah, an anchor is really, um, I suppose, the best way to, it's very much what it describes. It's an anchor on a spot. So depending on your perspective, you know, so let's say uh, if you're selling, you might want to anchor a little bit high. And uh, if you know what the range of reasonable prices might be, because you're probably gonna get a higher price. Um, 
if you're if you're buying, you probably want to anchor lower, right? So, and chances are the anchor, the discussion is going to move towards that anchor, and you're probably going to come to a, a lower price in terms of the outcome. So, an anchor is really kind of uh, I don't want to say stake in the ground, but it really starts. It's a starting point for a negotiation. Now, if someone anchors and they make an offer that is completely unreasonable, you can do two things. One, you can just say, "Wow, that's." incredibly unreasonable from my perspective, you must have information that I don't. Will you please share that with me? Because <laughs> from my research or my understanding of the marketplace or the context, it should be X, not two times X. So we must be working from two different sources of information. Or you can, you know, you can say, look, that's completely unreasonable and I'm prepared to negotiate, however, not at that basis. And then you can you know, see if they come with the more reasonable anchor. Um, I, I tend to go with the, the first one to say, wow, well, help me to understand why you believe that's reasonable. Because from my perspective and my research, it's not. I think that's a little bit more respectful. Okay. And that's a that's a great way to, to, to frame it uh, really for the other person. But you're also able to challenge them and call them out if, they're, if they haven't done their own yeah. preparation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, um, you know, and that probably gives a really good point is that you might be prepared for a negotiation, but your partner isn't. And that, you know, some people might say, oh, well, that's a great scenario to be in. And no, you want them to be prepared as well, because if they're not prepared, maybe you are taking undue advantage. That's not good for anyone. Or two, there's sources of value that you could capitalize on, on which you could capitalize, but you're not aware of because they're not prepared. Or or three, you're coming up with a deal that's completely unrealistic. So you might want to help them be prepared. And that's where that agenda setting might really be helpful. And they can say, look, you know, there's a lot more issues here, but we can begin the discussion on something we can on some of these, but we might need to come back. I need to investigate that a little bit further. You know, you're you're identifying issues that we hadn't really addressed fully for whatever reason. And another tweak or another tip might be is that let's say if you have a situation, a complex negotiation where there might be eight, 10 or 12 different issues, the temptation is to go one by one and tick them off. And yeah. I can understand that logic. What you could do instead is maybe bundle them together. Uh, you know, maybe look at a few of them together that are closely related. So then you can do that kind of log rolling or trading off depending on what's more important to one partner or another. And you can say, okay, look, we have a tentative agreement here. We won't we won't agree on it, on everything until we've discussed everything and we see the whole package. So you can say maybe this is a broader tentative agreement, but we can always come back to to adjust it if we need to. Um, so that might be something that's helpful. And I would say that the last thing that you could do after a negotiation, let's say you've you've got your eight or twelve issues and you've you've come to an agreement, you can always do a post settlement settlement and. Um, this is something that I don't do often enough, uh, but when I do do it, it, it tends to work well where you can say, look, now that we've got a deal uh, and that deal is signed and sealed, is there any way that we can improve it? You know, 
Okay. And that could give you an opportunity because there's something about having to reach the deal and agree it. And uh, that can give you an opportunity to redress some of the issues that you thought, mm, I, we, I think we could do better on that. Yeah. Um, what do you think? And you should agree to a post-settlement settlement as long as um, both parties are better off or one party is better off and the other party is at least the same. Yeah. So, so if I'm negotiating with you and we, we can say, we might be able to make this improve. And my situation doesn't improve, but it stays the same in terms of the original, original agreement, but I can improve your situation. I'm going to give that to you. Why wouldn't I? You know, it makes yeah. good sense. You're going to be happier. You're going to want to negotiate with me. I'm no worse off. I'm just as well off as I was before. Um, although people find that hard to swallow sometimes. <laughs> but chances are you can you can improve it at least a little bit for both people. And, and even it really set... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And it really sets the tone for a future negotiation, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And if you have a good relationship, your negotiations are going to move more swiftly. There's more trust. Um, there's rapport. There's an opportunity to say, hey, look, you know, we have a long history here, but we're going through a difficult time. I really need your help here. And they they may be able to give you concessions that they wouldn't in ordinary times where you might be looking for a price break during, you know, the COVID or maybe some, some kind of relaxation of your agreement for short term so that you can you can stay in business or that you both can can um, benefit from the relationship uh, yeah, and we're coming towards the end of uh, our podcast here and i'm taking away lots of key learnings and key takeaways like listening that learning mindset focus on the why it's really understanding your your counterpart that they're not an adversary it's that you're trying to work through a problem uh, together and that there's there's huge value there and it's to recognize that. And, you know, it's, it's what, a, what I really liked from that is that agenda setting. You're ne nearly negotiating how you're ne going to negotiate. Um, and if people are in conflict, is there one tip that you would give them before we, we finish up here today? Oh. Um, this is from Bill Urey. He has a famous saying, don't get mad, don't get angry, get what you want. Okay. <laughs> so really, um, and I suppose that you, if you are in conflict, that's probably the time when you need to listen harder to take a deep mm. breath. Uh, maybe ask someone to check your critical thinking or, or switch out if there's two people and they're just headbutting, you know, there's just no progress. Maybe someone else should pick up the negotiations. Maybe there needs okay. to be a change that way. Okay. okay. So, Anne, thank you so much uh, for your time today. If people were to get in contact with you, you know, if they're interested in more about negotiations or if there's a book that you'd recommend, you know, what would that, what might they be? Uh, well, the classic is uh, Getting to Yes, it's a really slim volume. It's the basics on which many negotiation books are made and created. So that would be the basics. Um, and the second one would be Difficult Conversations um, by Doug Stone and Sheila Heen. Uh, that's really helpful, I think, in people's personal lives and just 
the the interpersonal difficulties in negotiations. So those would be my top two for now. And they're both slim volumes and pretty easy to read. So those would be my top tips. And the best way to reach me is through email, ann.taurus at nuigoalway.ie. So it was my pleasure to to talk to you and thank you for, for a lovely conversation. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. And this podcast is all about trying to make a difference in people's lives, you know, take a different path to their uh, work life. And thank you so much for for taking the call here today. Um, you're calling all the way from California, uh, which is great. <laughs> so I hope you I hope you stay safe with all the, the fires that are going on at the moment. And listen, you know, take care of yourself. Anna. Thank you so much for t- uh, taking the call today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode of the Workplace Podcast. My special thanks to this week's guest for a wonderful discussion. If you want to get in contact with the podcast about a workplace topic or a particular challenge that you're facing, contact me via Twitter at Different Paths. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, William Corliss, C-O-R-L-E-S-S, or go to my website, www.yellowwood.ie. Yellowwood, your external learning and development partner, provider executive coaching, facilitation, and training. Take a different path to success with your career, leadership, team, and organization. 